Welcome back to Rock and Roll With Me, a podcast inspired by great music and the people who make it. Our life together is so precious. Together we have grown. We have grown. Yeah.
That was Starting Over, a song from John Lennon and Yoko Ono's album, Double Fantasy. The album came out only three weeks before John Lennon was shot and killed, but it spent five years in the making. Most of the songs are quite honestly strange, but that's what makes this a John and Yoko project. Like anything they did together, Double Fantasy is a beautiful statement about love. A central theme of their love for each other, their love for their son, and their love for life is carried through the entire album. You'll hear the words later on. Love is you, you and me. Love is knowing we can be. One, two, three, arguably one of the most influential things to happen to music, maybe ever. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr began their band in Liverpool and followed the changes in music throughout the 1960s. They played through a decade that was completely influential for music. They were pushing boundaries as four guys cheerfully singing She Loves You at the Cavern Club and continued to push boundaries when they started to grow out their hair and turn towards counterculture around the release of the White Album.
In April 1970, Paul McCartney publicly announced that he would be leaving the Beatles. In the years leading up to this, Harrison and Starr had both temporarily quit, and John had told his bandmates that he wanted to go his own way. They had all created as much as they could together, and each had found his own interests, musical and otherwise, outside of the band. Around this time, John had begun the process of divorcing his first wife, and had found Yoko Ono, the love of his life, and someone who the world managed to blame for a boy band's breakup. song by the Traveling Wilburys, a group made up of Jeff Lynne, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, and George Harrison. On the Dick Cavett Show in 1971, 
Yoko was asked if she is to blame for the Beatles' breakup. John interrupted, saying, Can we please give her the credit for all the nice music that George made and Ringo made and Paul made and I've made since they broke up? If she did it, and added, the Beatles were drifting apart on their own. While on his serious Moonlight tour, David Bowie sang Imagine as a tribute to John on the anniversary of his death. He speaks a bit about their friendship, and two statements in particular are hard to forget. Bowie says that he asked what Lennon thought of Bowie's kind of rock and roll, and John tells him, quote, Well, it's great, but it's just rock and roll with lipstick on. The other is slightly more relevant to the story I'm trying to tell today. Bowie says that the last time he saw John was in Hong Kong at a market. They found a second-hand Beatles jacket at a thrift store, and Bowie asked Lennon to put it on for a photo. According to Bowie, the jacket didn't fit, as though John had outgrown the Beatles. During the Beatles years, John was known as a bad husband and a bad father. He seemed to have more aggression than when he met Yoko. It's likely this split would have happened anyways, but if Yoko helped speed up the Beatles' breakup, we can all do as John said, and thank her for that. And if there's someone you can't live without, then do so. And if there's someone you can just shove out, then do so. You can be my Yoko Ono. You can follow me wherever I go. Be my, be my, be my, be my Yoko Ono. Oh, isn't it beautiful to see two people so much in love? Such a thing to have you hanging off my ankle like some kind of ball of chain. You can be my Okono, you can follow me wherever I go. Be my, be my, be my, be my Okono, be my Okono. Oh no, here we go, our life is one big fun. Oh, oh, oh.
The name of that last song, Be My Yoko Ono, is a lot more meaningful if you're able to consider the amazing love story John and Yoko represent. They met in London in 1966. John was invited by a friend, John Dunbar, to a preview of what he was told was a gallery put on by a brilliant artist from Japan. One of the first things he saw in the gallery was an installation that began with a ladder reaching to the ceiling. Once he climbed up the ladder, he found a painted black canvas and a magnifying glass, which he looked through to find the simple word, yes. John was in awe. Simple, easy, and creative. The kind of art that anyone could make, but only a certain mind could think up. It was positive and could mean anything you wanted to. It was a relief, John said, to climb all the way up and not see anything hateful or cruel. Yes. All it had to say was yes. Dunbar introduced John and Yoko at the gallery. Neither one had ever heard of the other. Yoko didn't know the Beatles at all, but recognized the name Ringo, only because it means apple in Japanese. Yoko gave John a card with the word breathe on it. He looked at it and let out a sigh in front of her. He had loved the humor in her art. The way she was so avant-garde, selling a fresh apple for 200 pounds, in a way that he found approachable and somewhat satirical. Yoko had had pieces in her galleries that were designed as interactive moments between the audience and the art. She called these ad-color paintings. People could sit down next to white wood panels with paints and brushes and are invited to add whatever they felt. At this particular gallery, she had a variation of this, where the audience could hammer a nail into a board. John asked if he could, but Yoko said no since the opening wasn't until the next day, and she wanted to save the piece for then. Dunbar suggested she change her mind, since John was famous and wealthy. She ignored his advice and told John he could hammer in a nail for five shillings. He thought about it, and offered her an imaginary five shillings, in exchange for hammering in an imaginary nail. That moment, according to John, is when they truly met. They looked at each other, and had this understanding of what was said and what was meant. And two years later, were married. Give me an F! Yeah! Give me an I! I! Give me an S! Yes! yes! Give me an H! Yes! What's that spell? Yes! What's that spell? Yes! Open up the pearly gates. Well, there ain't no time to wonder why. 
Civil war broke out in 1950 between North and South Vietnam. The North, supported by China and the Soviet Union, was fighting to bring communism into the country. The American military saw this as a potential Cold War proxy, and even though the conflict wouldn't have concerned them, the U.S. sent troops in. As the war progressed, the Americans were losing soldiers as fast as they lost hope. They decided to bring in something that has only been used four times in U.S. history. Conscription, also known as drafting. I want you. A blaring message from Uncle Sam appeared on posters around the United States. Men over 18 were brought to their local drafting office, and after being deemed healthy enough, were sent off to Vietnam. Of course, many people disagreed with the American involvement in the war, and even more people disagreed with conscription. Draft dodgers protested, Faked illnesses left the country and in the process developed a counterculture that defines this time in history. John and Yoko were famously involved in the peace movement through various protests, including bed-ins. Yeah. 
bed-ins for peace were held, and each lasted for a week. The idea was taken from sit-in protests, but of course Yoko and John's creative minds thought a bed would draw more attention. The first one took place in the Hilton Hotel in Amsterdam in 1969. The pair had just been married in Gibraltar, and decided that the best way to spend their honeymoon would be by promoting world peace. Every day, they invited the press into their hotel room between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. They were photographed as they lay there, like angels, as John put it, wearing pajamas, talking about peace, with signs on the window behind them saying hair peace and bed peace. Several weeks later, they sent acorns to world leaders from different countries, asking that the acorns be planted as a symbol of peace. Yoko and John never heard back. One song, The Ballad of John and Yoko, has several references to this time. You can get married in Gibraltar near Spain. Drove from Paris to the Amsterdam Hilton, talking in our beds for a week. The newspaper said, what are you doing in bed? I said, we're only trying to get us some peace. Caught the early train back to London, 50 acorns tied in a sack. The second bed-in was supposed to take place in New York but John had been temporarily banned from the U.S. because of a 1968 arrest for possession of marijuana. Their second choice, the Bahamas, was decidedly too hot for a week covered in blankets. Finally, they went to the Fairmont in Montreal, where the CBC recorded interviews. It's a load of rubbish, you know, and that's, that's the typical crap you get from the sort of stupid press, and that's a prime example, describing me as... Uh, unkept beard. I'd like to know what a kept beard is, and I'd like to know when and where I said uh, that I invited Mr. Trudeau into bed with us, and, and when and where do. Yoko said she thought that was a good idea. Complete yeah. pack of lies.
There are very few true stories with love as pure as John and Yoko Ono Lennon's. These two brought out the best in each other artistically and as people. They were happy and in love and at peace. And what more can anyone hope for?
Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Rock and Roll With Me. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate and share it. For now, peace out, rock on, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Just had to